episode is brought to you by Nantale Jewelry, where jewelry is an art of expression. Stay tuned to learn how you can save 50% off your purchase at NantaleJewelry.com. Now on to the show. What's up, fellas? What does it do, if you listen sir? To the sound, if you are listening to the sound of my voice, you are listening to the 1528 Podcast. We are back. And this is the 15th, y'all. Well, this airs on the 15th because we are now the first and the 15th, like government Oh, checks. shit, I got paid today. Drinks on somebody theory, else that got paid yeah. today. <laughs> In theory, absolutely. Uh, man, what's going on with y'all? Living life, living free. Just so, good time. yesterday was Valentine's Day, and I enjoyed it at home by myself in my underwear watching Netflix. And I didn't do shit. And it was amazing. It was the best Valentine's Day that I've probably had all year. And I can't wait to do it again next year. Is. I would say in theory, but more than likely, that's probably exactly what Oh, I've, I've already got it planned yes. out. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's that's nice for you because my ass gonna be working on damn day on Valentine's Day. Mm. Is that what you, is that what you call it? Working? Is that what you call it? Working? <laughs> that's not the theme of the night, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't I don't really celebrate any holiday that I don't get a day off for. <laughs> if you don't get paid vacation, it don't count. <laughs> mm. It is not a holiday. Right. If you're working, it's not a holiday. Like, it's a situation. Right. Right. If you want to give, just ask, but don't make a holiday. <laughs> well, there we go. That's all I got. Hey, that's so what's up. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about how. What's love got to do with the episode? I fucking went. I'm, they, uh, I think they're selling in my apartment complex. So I, I went uh, to the old place that I used to live. Looked on the internet, and they was like, "Yeah, we got a two bedroom, two bath for nine forty something." So I was like, "All right, I went and looked at it." How come this bitch, when I get in there, it's beautiful. It's got, like, the, the fucking built-ins. The, the living room is huge. It's got, like, natural skylights and all that shit. And she's like, oh, yeah, this was 1548. It's like, uh, that's not what the goddamn internet said, motherfucker. Why why, why are you uh, doing the, what is it, the, the bait and hook or the hook and bait? Or how do you say it? <laughs> you can get it wrong both times. <laughs> false advertising. Yeah, the, the point of False advertisement. <laughs> You won't yeah, Fulman can't get fooled again. <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh yeah, that nine forty nine is the one that's going to be open next month." I'm like, well, you probably should have said that on your goddamn uh, your internet shit. Like, you you should have told her, "I'll take that one." <laughs> right, <laughs> that's the one I want. Right. And then even then, she was like, "That's the one. It's, it's going to be open uh, next month." But it wasn't even nine forty nine. It was like ten forty six. Like, all, the shit was all fucked up. They literally just trying to get people in the door. I just haven't seen rent that low since I left Kentucky. Mm. I, I'm just over it's there. It's just like, very, very, very few places. I'll pay 15 something. I ain't seen that unless Bro, I live in a studio. In I'm room. at 700 right now. That's why I'm like, why? I know I know they're going to raise my rent. So if they're going to raise my rent, I might as well get a second bedroom for an office and stuff like that. Uh, so that's why I'd be like, man, fuck LA, fuck. Fuck New York, all that shit. Cause y'all, no, no, no. pick me. The rent, the rent's way too high. Pick me. 
All right, so you started this with you think they're selling your apartment building. Is it going to tie back at some point, or did we just blow right by that? Is it what? Going to tie back to well, it, it led to him going to the other complex. That's where he was going. That was the main Oh, that's part. why you're looking? So you're rent. confirming that they're selling that shit. Oh, they're selling it, yeah. Oh, okay. And if they're selling it in this area, they're going to raise the rent. So if they're going to raise the rent, I might as well have a second bedroom is what I'm saying. All right, JT, take us away. This is going to be 1528. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, fuck BJ apartment hunting. So pretty much moving along. Um, <laughs> look, to be honest, before we move uh, any further, make sure that you hit like, uh, share, and comment and all that good uh, podcast stuff because we definitely He's going to drop support. the links right here. Um, don't give me job stuff. There's going to be a lot to do with this episode already. <laughs> so, all right. Um, Brian Flores, who was fired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins in January, has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three of its uh, teams for alleged racial discrimination. Uh, he says that the suit is much bigger than coaching. Um, and Flores has alleged that race was the center of this removal from the position. A problem that he says is endemic. I'm about to Flores has alleged that race was at the center of his removal from, from the position. <laughs> a problem that he says is endemic in the NFL. And despite the risk to his career, Flores has not yet secured a new position of coaching. Um, also the team owner, Stephen Ross of the Miami Dolphins, uh, broke his silence and says that Flores's allegations are false and uh, malicious. Questions, fellas? How do y'all feel about this whole Brian Flores situation? <sighs> so, let me ask go you, ahead, you, How long has he? How long has he? Was he head coach? Uh, I think he, he was, was head coach for two to four years at Miami. Two years. Okay, they had a winning season. This he was year. seventeen and sixteen, which is better than five coaches that still have their jobs in the last two years. Okay, in the NFL. okay, that's what I was trying to establish. Okay, go ahead, Dre. Oh, that was it. <clears throat> so, yeah. all this ties back to the Rooney Rule. Um, essentially, of course, somebody's trying to group chat us all right now during this recording. Um, what up, Rose? <laughs> um, but. <laughs> um, Essentially, he only got the interview or was getting the interview so they can meet their necessary requirements of the Rooney Rule where you have to interview a black person, right? The good old boy network sent in play. They just felt like they had to make it look like he was getting the interview so that they didn't get fined and actually lose a draft pick because of the Rooney Rule. So <clears throat> without the Rooney Rule, I don't think they would have went this step to actually even act like they were giving him an interview, even though they knew who they wanted, but they had to on paper say they were interviewing somebody black. So that's part of the problem. No, that is the problem, basically. That's the whole <laughs> fucking problem right there. There wouldn't be this situation. There wouldn't be a lawsuit. There wouldn't have been that silly text message from Bill Belichick that was basically like, fuck these niggas. I'm about to blow all this shit up. Here, Brian, <laughs> here's all the ammo you need. Um, and I think it's just one of those things where you have a piece of, a measure in place that's there maybe with some good intent, but more than anything, it's just pacifying people and it's not anything concrete enough that people actually have to take action. It's more about, Hey, let's show face. So we don't disenfranchise our biggest group of not only followers, but also the actual employees, employees themselves. 
And that's the whole fucking issue in my mind is the Rooney rule and them just trying to go along with it, even though they want somebody else and they already had somebody else in mind. So in my opinion, I, I, my question is for you or for, for all you gentlemen, do you think the Rooney rule is necessary and should it be something that is implemented or do you just let it lie? I mean, cause there's nothing wrong with a team knowing or anybody, any employer knowing who they want to hire and then, but it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it wastes everybody's time if you're just doing this fake-ass interview just because you have to. So is, is the Rooney Rule something that should be, should be implemented? Or is it something that should just go away and they hire, because they're going to hire who they want to hire anyway. Clearly. Like, you know, that's... Um... Did anybody else want to answer before I jump in? No, go ahead, man. <clears throat> I think there's a huge issue with the way you stated that question, BJ, and that's the problem itself. Um, you said there's nothing wrong with people hiring who they want to hire. When we look at the NFL head coaching, when we look at other areas of professional um, <clears throat> just other professions itself. Black people don't get the opportunity because they're not in the room. They're not in the room because they're not part of the good old boy networks. And without forcing people to the room where it happens <laughs> without, without forcing people to give us a shot, then we're never going to get that access. So that's the inherent issue is they already know who they're going to hire without actually giving people of color a chance. The Rooney rule, again, it has good merit, but I don't think it goes far enough to actually force the issue to a level that real change is, to, is has to come from it. I think it's more of a show face kind of a thing. So, I'm going to combat that a little bit because I believe the Rooney Rule is a good thing because it gives that person of color a chance to change their mind. Because before that, maybe they wouldn't even have that interview, right? But they can get in there and they can be like, this is my scheme, this is my passion, this is how I approach the game. And it gives them the opportunity to at least change their mind. Even though somebody might always, or not always, somebody might be leaning towards a different candidate, you still can get in there, get your foot in the door, and change that person's mind. That's why I think it's still something that is is needed, uh, or something that uh, can be so like useful, but obviously it's also something that they just have to check off their fucking box here and there. Because that's the rule. So if, I, if I'm hearing this, you're, you're kind of saying that it's good to at least allow an opportunity for someone to at least <clears throat> enter the room regardless. Right. Maybe open up the floor for possibilities. Like they may have someone in mind, but here comes a black and or female and or person of color in general. Because that's what covers, uh, I don't want to say affirmative action. That's that's something else. But um, affirmative action, much, yeah, Title Nine, affirmative action, couple, yeah. couple, yeah, couple different, all of that. Yeah, yeah. everyone who is uh, non uh, cis, 
white man, um, you know, it'll it'll get somebody in the room to possibly like, oh, we didn't even think about that. This actually is a good person. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters at all. Yeah, that's why I was headed like to we're it. Looking at right now, he got his he got he got in the room just for show just just as a formality, no. and then get the job and got upset about it. It happens all the time for other reasons. I mean, I've actually opened positions that I knew who I was going to hire for the right. position, but you got to open it anyway. Right. So you know it happens. But I think that for one, I think any place that you have to force them to hire black people, we shouldn't be patronizing them. And that's why, like you know, like I still watch the NFL. I do, but. It's not as much as I used to. I don't even have a favorite team no more, for real. Cause I'm not into it like that anymore. Like it is something that's entertaining. It's on TV, so if it's on, if a game is on, it's been hyped up all week. I'll watch it. But ever since Cap, I'm just not really a big NFL fan. And I think if you have to put a rule in place to give somebody a chance other than a white man, like it's it's not gonna work anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just, it's it's, a, it's to pacify, mm-hmm. and it's almost dang near like a. Like it's insult to somebody's intelligence. Like, okay, they made us, they made us hire you, Blackie, but you know, they know they know the qualifications. When you come in there, they've seen your games, they know your your record, they know where you come from, they've seen your resume, they know what it is. You're not about to show them nothing that they don't know by by getting the interview. Like, if their mind is set on hiring this white dude from who who had who coached five other NFL teams and had five other losing records, they're gonna hire that dude. It don't matter. It don't matter what you go in there and talk about. You can go in there and have the best schemes, the best um, um, psycho- psychological, uh, psychological, um, psychology, our, our theory toward the game, our philosophy or whatever. It does not matter. Um, they want their guy. And, and their guy doesn't seem to look So like I do that. want to respond to that, Seb. But first, to BJ's point, I think it's good in theory. The concept is good. I don't think it goes far enough. Just as Seb was saying, <clears throat> it's enough there to basically placate people and to make them feel like they're doing something, but it's not enough there to actually force change. Um, at this point, as long as people actually just say we interviewed somebody, then they check the box. That's not enough. Um, I don't necessarily have the answer to what would be enough. Um, I think it needs to be something where there has to be a certain percentage of NFL coaches that are a minority. Doesn't necessarily have to be head coaches, but we all know coordinators came from uh, positional coaches. Sometimes they came from scouts. Sometimes they came from players. But the more people of color that you have in those lower-level coaching positions, they're eventually going to move up. They're going to build trust within organizations. They're going to build trust within GMs. And they're going to be able to get an opportunity at some point. So until there's some kind of mandate on that, I don't think that this rule is ever going to be enough. It's literally just going to be to say at say point when he say the interview, where even though we knew the position was filled, they're just doing it because they have to, even though they don't have a chance. There may be a slim, slim, slim chance when one team is like, oh, he blew us out the water with his um, plan for the future. We are going to give him a shot, but that's few and far in between, um, I can imagine. So I don't think I don't think that's something where we can say that the rule is good enough because of that, like minute minority. Um, but also, I don't. I don't. Know. It's not bad. Um, I have a question for you though. So. 
You're, you're oh, said you're muted. I was like, why can't I hear what he's trying to say to me? Oh, my bad. <laughs> I saw you man. doing this. I was like, yeah, what are you I'm saying? Like, hold on. Yeah, I was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> uh, you fucking me up. <laughs> I'm trying to keep the DC noise. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, so, okay. So, but I think it kind of sets us, you know, it goes against like everything that we really want, right? So, I have a dream that my that one day my children will be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin, the color of their skin mm-hmm. right? Like, in order to have to implement something that says you're only sitting here, yeah, you're a coach in the NFL, but there's hundreds of coaches in the NFL, but you're sitting here because you're right. black, okay? Not the content of your character, not your coaching resume, but we need we need to have a black guy sitting here. So come on, sit here. So I, I think that I think that kind of for me, I just felt like, dude, like. Like I said, insulting intelligence. Don't throw us something and then, and then turn around later and say, we gave y'all a job. We gave y'all a, this. We gave you Like, we don't so, want that you gave us. I like, won't get too deep into this because it's going to be the second part of the episode. But to that point in relation to the NFL, I think that it matters. And for said, as somebody that, you know, has been in a position to hire people, generally speaking, people hire people that they know, people that they like, people that they trust now an nfl gm average lifespan is roughly three to five years every single hire they make they feel like their job is on the line me and you professionally if i hire somebody and they don't work out i don't feel threatened about my job because that one person didn't work out but if a gm hires one bad coach that might be the only coach they get to hire so It's kind of one of those things where if you don't get the opportunity, you'll never – or if you're not forced to have that opportunity, you won't be in that room because people don't necessarily trust you. And that's that's probably the biggest thing for GMs in NFL. They need somebody that they can trust that, with their job, not just with the team, but with their job. Um, so, like, if you have qualified people and you make them get interviews, whether they get the job or whether they don't, if they're in that room, at that point, it's not – an imposter syndrome like it might be in a professional workplace. At that point, you're here. Everybody in this organization needs you to win because all of our jobs are on the line. And it's a it's a lot more support than it would be if it was a traditional affirmative action hire in a professional workplace. Because it's more on the line for everybody. You know, so I you think know, that's I, where it's different. I was actually going to kind of like to piggyback on that or I, I, I was going to step on that anyway. Like, so look at it in, in this way as well. Dre, you guys, uh, with your job, you guys are hiring or whatever. And if if you had seven people hired and you need eight, but I said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and make that move, that eight spot might be already taken. You might still do interviews because you have to keep face and say, I'm looking, but you already know who you want to give it to. You know what I'm saying? Just like when the job offer that I got that we talked about in the last episode, my boy, he came to me first because he was like, I want you to run my business. I want you to do this. He already had in mind who he wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Um, do I think the Rooney rule is, is important and it should be, uh, should be something that's in place. Absolutely. But if you know who you want, just go pitch to who you want. 
And there's nothing wrong with hiring that person, the person that you actually want. Now, we, we can never just say or, or just assume a person is or isn't hired just because of the color of their skin either. But you're not getting... You... We, can, we, we can assume that with the NFL. Right. I was, about, I was about to say, when you bring that to this conversation, you actually have to get deeper into why the Rooney Rule is in place. The Rooney Rule is in place because black men were never allowed to move up the ranks in coaching to even get close to be considered for a head coaching position. So this rule was put in place to kind of help offset the years of saying black people are too stupid to be a head coach. And we're going to make up for it by giving them more opportunities in coaching because of that initial, um, I guess, uh, depression of our opportunity. If that wasn't there, right, if that wasn't there in the first place, then the Rooney Rule I wouldn't necessarily think would be as necessary. But since it was systemically in place to not hire black people because they thought we were too stupid to actually be head coaches, something had to be done in order to actually rectify that. And that's why the Rooney Rule really, really became in place because of what they admitted that they did to black people that wanted to be coaches. Right. Now, now here's one thing I dig, and I say that it doesn't always have to be about race. It can, like, Dre, you made a good example of it earlier. Sometimes it's about just the people that you know, the people who are in position, who are next in the succession line and stuff like that, right? Because here's the thing. Like, I've never consciously hired somebody based off color, ever, ever. I can never, I can never, I cannot consciously say or truthfully say I've hired people because they were black or I want a white person in this position or I want an Asian person. I've never done that. I'm looking straight off qualifications, how you present your interview, you know, what your references say. That's what I'm going off of, right? But I've been accused of. When I, was, I had a job in Kentucky where they said all Cedric is hiring is black mm -hmm. people. And I looked around and I was, dang, I was only hiring black people. However, I didn't care I just wanted people in the door. It was one of those positions that turnover was high, pay was low, work conditions weren't necessarily the best. And so like, but the, when I looked at it, I said, look, let's look back through our resumes. Let's look back through our candidates. 99% of the people that we interview are black. <laughs> so, hey, that's what we're doing, right? So when you're looking at an institution where you have a history of white head coaches, white o OCs, white DCs, you know what I'm saying? And those are the people who usually, uh, you know, next in succession plan to go be head coach. If your pool of those people have been all white, I think maybe it's time for us to, you know, really, like Dre said, like expand that out. So the succession plan can include black people. Like put us, like not put us, put us in a room where we can earn those positions to be OC, DC, special teams, whatever it may be, so that we can be a part of that succession plan. So then you, so then that, that excuse is gone to where it's like, well, look at the pool we have, we're pulling from. Because right now, look who we got. Lovey Smith just got hired. Um, you got people looking at Leftwich. And you got people looking at, who's my other guy? Um, he, he said he, 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 said he ain't he, leaving. He said he's he, not leaving. Okay. So then you got Ben. What, ben yeah, he, he said he's not leaving. From, from yeah, Chief? he did. Right, that's what I'm saying. But you got these three black coaches who are people like, they got to get a job, get them a job. But it's three. It's three, right? Look at the other OCs around the league. Most of them are white. The most of the defensive coordinators are white. So 
it may not be a thing all about race at, when you're looking at that head coach interview, but if you look at systemically and you say, okay, well, listen, what, where are the black people that can move into this position? That may be where the problem is, and that's where the Rooney, the Rooney rule needs to right. spread out to where it's not just head coaching positions. We need to look at it in other positions where they can move up into that position. Learn and grow and get the same advantages because the thing is, honestly, if you don't have one of those positions coming into a head coach in the NFL, you probably won't be successful. And then you're going to be one of those people who are looking at saying, this is why we don't hire them because they don't succeed in this area. But they also didn't have the upbringing, the training, and everything else as these white head coaches. Yeah, coaches are all about relationships. If you can build those relationships through an OC job, great. If you can build those relationships and somehow, somehow find another avenue there, like maybe it's through college, but you have strong relationships with people that you can bring in that are OCs and DCs with experience, you still might be able to be successful. It's just that a black person coming from college into the pros is not going to have a good shot of actually getting that head coaching job. That's not true. No, not at all. No. You heard of Urban, you heard of Urban Meyer? Yeah. There are a lot of college coaches that become NFL and coaches. That's the most recent. No. Oh, God. Okay. okay. <laughs> I went to coaching school and I just graduated. <laughs> Wherever coaching school All right. Is. Where they do that? I just uh, honestly, I mean, you guys handled everything. Uh, I like the Rony, uh, Rony rule, but, I mean, I think it's all strictly for show. I think you just want to have try to get black coaches in in there and hopefully off a good faith of the white men that are already in the room. Hopefully somebody will get hired. But as you say, it's about relationships. It's about, you know, making sure that you can handle hand things down to someone that you think is going to be, you know, capable of handling. And sometimes a room full of white men just don't think a black man is capable. Um, it's really just, was it performative in a way to me? I, I appreciate it because it's, it's necessary and hopefully it'll have give give an opportunity to someone of color um, or minority, I guess you should say, you know, an opportunity to at least get in the room and hopefully make sure um, that they present themselves as the better candidate. So, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. You know what I'm saying? Like these things are in place, but at the same time, you know, with everything else, the system finds a way to, you know, go through some loopholes and make sure like they still get their friend, you know, hired or whatever. But, you know, um, hopefully in the, in the future, we'll get some more, you know, people of color, minorities as head coaches um, in the door period for coaching staff, because I, I'm, you know, coaching is one thing, but I'm more so about the ownership. And that's a whole nother ball game when it comes to minorities owning any franchise of any kind. Because uh, coaching is dope, and, and yes, we definitely need those there. But for some reason, all the owners—I I don't even want to say the whole plantain, uh, plantation plantation owners—are all, all white. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing with the NFL: you don't give up your team. You're not selling that motherfucker, right. and when you die, your kids is taking that motherfucker. You don't, you don't, you yeah. don't sell NFL franchises. Yeah. So it's not going to be. And that, to that extent, it's going to be the same motherfucking. 25 people for the next 50 years that own these teams that ain't changing yeah, at least <laughs> yeah that ain't changing at least that's not that's not a, that's not a hiring thing yeah it ain't like nba or mlb where ownerships change in football you get that motherfucker you dying with that motherfucker 
Whether you do a good job or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's move on. Uh, I'm going to cut that out. Oh, you're putting all of us on the commercial? No, nigga. Oh, yeah. It would have been the fade-in part. But anyway. I'm a fade-in eating ribbo. The world needs to know about this. All right, going into the second half, fellas, um, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, do we feel like affirmative action is helping or hurting us um, as one is the black uh, in the black community? But I guess right now, if you're not a white male, then affirmative action is for you in general. Is it, is it still a thing of value for us as African-Americans or not? I'm going to let somebody else go first. Let's see. So, I got a screaming toddler behind me, but hey, y'all know what it is. So, I think, I know for a, for a long time, when this was a very, very hot topic, um, you know, it was said that black people don't even really benefit from this, and the most group that benefits from this is white women. Um, I don't know how true that still is, um, and but I have similar feelings about... Um, because I feel like the Rooney Rule is the is the is the uh, affirmative action for the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel I have very similar feelings about it. Um, it's just it's one of those things where it's like I feel like I feel like like okay, y'all y'all seen the documentary Thirteenth mm-hmm. and how the Thirteenth Amendment made gave way for you know modern day slavery basically with the whole you know with everything going on. So I feel like. Affirmative action is a way to keep things in check because I just I, still I cringe. I hate the fact that every time you apply for a position, you got to put what race you are or what color you are. And then it's even something even weirder in there that says like black. Are you Latino or Mexican? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? For what? Like, why? You know what I'm saying? But I feel like I, feel, I know they say, well, this is for affirmative action. This is for us to have, you know, that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't, I, you know, and I don't believe it because people, we've know people. I think we even talked about it in an episode that has put that they are white and got called back after applying as being a black person for however long. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't. I, I think it's just another way for them to legally segregate, uh, discriminate. Um, to say that it has no bearing on hiring, and to say that we believe in affirmative action, and then at one point for it to benefit still uh, white people more than it did black people, I just. To me, I just feel like, listen, uh, pray, educate yourself, make yourself a good candidate for what you want to do, and let God do it. Because if we got to depend on America, this American system to, to get ahead, to come up, or whatever, it's just not a safe bet. So for me, is affirmative action a good thing? Was it useful? Short answer, yes. Long answer, just like the ruling rule, it was nowhere near enough, and it's taken 20-some-odd years before results are starting to show. Um, I think it's more useful in certain settings than others, like college enrollment, um, making sure that we are able to get and getting accepted in a certain amount in each school. But I think where it's useful is where there are mandates, right? Like with education, if they say for this school – you have to get at least 5% black enrollment as long as the qualified amount of applicants met 
X and Y criteria. In that situation, black people were able to go to colleges that they likely wouldn't have gotten into before. Um, so I think that did help. And I think that over time, those people harbored the relationships in college that actually got them positions in life that they're able to just now start helping more people and bring them up with them because of who they are, because of the actual clout that they developed after a whole entire career. Um, but I think if more was done back then when it was initially rolled out, it wouldn't have taken a generation for this to actually start reaping some rewards. Um, the biggest affirmative action motherfucking uh, name we know is, of course, George H.W. Bush. He got in college because of affirmative action. Um, it had to do with legacy and shit, but he <laughs> was affirmative action and they were finding all these crazy ass loopholes when it first rolled out and it wasn't really something that was taken too seriously. It wasn't nigga. Um, it wasn't something that had enough meat on it in most scenarios in professional situations didn't have much to it. Collegiate situations. It was a lot better or at least it was something more tangible. I think with these kind of rules, there needs to be something tangible that people have to hold themselves to. Because if it's just a concept or if it's just a bare minimum in terms of reading an application or letting certain people apply, but you don't actually have to let any of them enroll or you don't have to hire them or you don't have to do anything like that, your company's not meeting certain metrics, then it's bullshit because nobody gives a shit. It's just going to be showing face and then they're going to move on as soon as they've crossed out that. Oh, we did our minimum for just like if anybody uh, has ever tried to get funds for any organization. If you go to a company, I remember in college, um, as a chapter, we would go to Papa John's and ask for like pizza donations for parties and stuff like that. You go January, February, March, they give all the pizzas in the world as if they were just the biggest givers that you could ever ask for. You go in June and they like, dude, we met our yearly giving budget. Fuck y'all. We don't need to give you no more pizza. So it was kind of one of those things. People are literally just doing it until they check that box. And then as soon as they do, the fucking well dries up and they don't give a shit anymore. So good in concept, didn't go anywhere far enough, literally took us a whole generation to start reaping rewards for it. But now it is a generation later and it is starting to benefit people. So I wouldn't say that I think it was a bad thing. I'd say I think it was a trash rollout and should have been way better in terms of its structure. I personally think affirmative action is definitely something that was necessary for the development and the the growth of our people when it comes to um, when it comes to being in professional settings of at least getting our foot in the door and giving us a chance. Um, without affirmative action, we definitely would have always been just looked over and pushed to the side or pit or is it pigeonholed pigeonholed into only certain. Uh, styles or types of jobs the fact that um, this law although that sometimes is looked at as being a negative thing depending on how you look at it or who's looking at it 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 definitely helped us uh, unfortunately 
prove to the rest of the world that we're just as intelligent, just as capable, uh, and just as hardworking um, as anybody else that could be out there. Um, it's one of those things where without that act that we wouldn't have gotten some of the chances that we needed in order to prove that. Um, it sucks that we have to, quote unquote, prove things when everybody else just gets the benefit of the doubt and get, gets a chance of doing that or even um, are assumed to be smarter or to be qualified. Um, but it's something that we've always had to overcome. Um, now, as far as does it help us or hurt us? Now, we'll say at at this point in at, at least in our generations that sometimes we have this stigma, or even though we have a job, now we still have to prove that we're capable because there are those naysayers out there that believe that we only got this job because of affirmative action versus because of um, because of how talented we are in fact it's so funny I had a I had a uh, a guest the other day she came in uh, somebody had overcharged her and I had to go back and research it and, and get it done older lady Caucasian um, and as I was walking away she talked to one of our servers and she was like he seems a little irritated or or short with me today and she was and the server was like no we just had some computer problems so he's he's not short with you he's not irritated with you he's just got a lot going on today and then she was like well who is that and he was like well he's our general manager and she's like oh him that surprises me and like like who else would i be I'm, I'm i'm out here talking to you fixing the problem for you why does it surprise me that i'm running the restaurant or surprise you that I'm running the restaurant, you know. So it's like even even in the smallest of instances, or even in the the most noticeable things, like it's obvious I'm the motherfucking in charge right now. Why the fuck does it surprise you, you know? So so we're still proving ourselves in in certain instances, um, which can be frustrating. But you know that's what life is. So I, I want to take this conversation further because. <laughs> I feel like affirmative action was definitely geared towards African Americans, right? In the beginning. Like, that was kind of the selling That's point. That's the presentation, yeah. Yeah, the presentation, right? Mm-hmm. But over the years, it's kind of definitely showed its ass and really, honestly, only benefited, I guess, white women, actually. Because it's really about anyone who's not a white man. But when you really look at corporations, for the most part, not all, it's only white women that get bumped up to certain positions. So here's the thing. And so, like, I feel okay. like, nah, I just going just going to sum it up. I feel like yeah. affirmative action has definitely been a how I put it. You know how black black people are always seem to be focused when it comes to food stamps and and that type of uh government assistance mm-hmm. when really government assistance wasn't even built for us i feel like that's exactly what really was going on with affirmative action like yeah we're gonna do this but truly what we're gonna help is or who's gonna really benefit this is not african-americans it's really gonna be for for white women and families i've actually seen that before jt when i worked at enterprise in Kentucky, now, Enterprise is a great company to work for, depending on what region you're in, and obviously the region I was in um, was more racist than not. 
So here's the thing. Like, I remember I was at training, and they had all these leaders up front. So I think it was like a woman and like four guys. And they were talking about diversity. Diversity, 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 diversity. And I, me, I'm that one, raised my hand. I said, so where's the diversity among leadership? And the white woman raised her hand and said, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And I, you know, and everybody started laughing. All the, the class started laughing. They all turned red. But I, I really wasn't trying to start something. I really thought somebody was off work that day. Or, you know what I'm saying, like it's only part of the leadership team. But nah, she was like, me, I represent the diversity of the leadership. I'm the white woman, the rest of these are white men. I was like, wow, that's that's great, yeah. thank you. We be talking about, like, just fucking goddamn anything. Any any fucking thing. Talking about how hard black people have had it, or slavery, or whatever, voting. And they want to be like, well, you know, women couldn't vote until blah, blah, blah. It's, that's, it's not the same. It's not the fucking same. Like, why? You're talking about, people say apples and oranges. Nigga, this is apples and goddamn pecans. It's not the fucking same. Don't, don't, don't try to, nigga, you... You're a female and white in America. You're okay. Yes, I understand. Uh, goddamn, uh, uh, what fucking men and like, I get it. Like we understand, we get it. But to try to act like it's the fucking same, it's not. Stop that shit. I said I couldn't do it again, but goddamn, I got pissed off. <laughs> shit, that should be pissing me off, man. <laughs> 400, 400 years of oppression. Well, you know, we had to bake buns. Just get, bitch, get the fuck out of my fucking face. Feeling like <laughs> How you feeling like? The Express, the Express uh, discussed thoughts are those of Benny hey, J. Williams you. himself personally and not those of the entire 1528 <laughs> podcast. Please send all like mail no directly to at the real BJ on uh, 1528 on IG.com. That's at the real BJ1528 on Instagram itself. Wow. <laughs> I, so, so now I'm in this predicament. Like, I don't even know. How, I can't edit it out because it's true to the no, podcast, no, no, but I'm also like. Oh, no. It has to stay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Bring, bring this back to the subject. At, right. Bring this back to the subject at hand. Um, I was entertained to, at first, but Jesus, right. Um, to JT's point about uh, the women issue, oh, I'm scared to share it myself. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> you want me to say it because yeah. you clearly yeah. lost it. You're funny. <laughs> so my my point is, affirmative uh, action was sold oh. as, as if it was going to be for African Americans, but it seems to only be benefiting benefiting white women at the point at this moment. Yeah, majority. I, I okay, not only we understand what he's saying. Well, I'll, I'll I'll clear that up. Yeah. So to JT's point, bring it back. What I was going to say was, I think affirmative action at the time was rolled out and it was marketed under what was the most what had the most momentum at the time and that was black people feeling included black people hiring black people feeling like they were getting their fair share um from its creation affirmative action was never a black people's bill it was always a minority bill it was always meant to be a minority bill it was marketed and publicized to the black people say hey we 
got something for you guys. Can y'all calm the fuck down and stop burning shit? Because this is for you guys, right? We took it and we ran with it, but it was never written where it was under that same preface where it was just our thing. It was always an open thing. It was always meant to be constantly inclusive of whatever the minorities were that could prove that they were being held back. So as years progressed, as time moved forward, the bill opened up even more than its original state and things were added such as title nine, such as different EEOC mandates around hiring um, certain things around LGBTQ plus um, people were actually brought into the federal affirmative action stuff. So it was always meant in that way. It was just marketed to us and we took it as that, but it wasn't us. It wasn't ours. They just made it sound like it was ours, but it never actually was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Cause I, like I said, it ended up showing, you know, who was kind of really for it in a way. Cause I, I, I'm not against people who, you know, who I guess deserve, deserve the job because they have the qualification qualifications and credentials. But when you look at some of the numbers, which I don't remember now, I saw them when I was doing my research earlier, it definitely has helped everyone else, but us, even, you know, Latinos, um, Okay, I, let me let me stop with the generals because I don't mean generally. I mean overall in a sense. When you really look, look at the numbers, we we fare out decently. Not as strongly as I felt like we should have in the beginning. But again, like Dre said, it wasn't really about us. It was about minorities in, in, uh, in total. But like I was, I guess, sold the package and the news that was given to me is we're going to help black people. You know what I'm saying? Get in the room, get in colleges, get, you know what I'm saying? Get on these jobs because they are also qualified, you know, but they're being overlooked. So we got to at least give a number, a quota that at least needs to be met so that, you know, that it can start beginning, beginning uh, the, uh, or shrinking the gap between uh, different uh, economic situations and, and stuff like that. You know what makes this crazy, y'all? The thing that just drives me crazy is that we're supposed to be, and I fought for one of the, not, the greatest country, the greatest country, and we live in the greatest country that you have to have rules like this to order to 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 hire your own citizens. These these are your citizens. These are your citizens, and to be hired as your citizens, because they have a certain hue and pigmentation, we have to put a law in place for them to be treated fairly in the workplace. It just really trips me out because I have some friends who are overseas right now. And when they think about coming back home, they talk about how different it would be to move back, how unsafe it would be to move back. And it's just, as we have this conversation, like I'm following along, but just the big picture of it is just driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have to have rules and measures and, and, and laws and stuff put in place for our own citizens. Well, do you, and, and we talk about, and we talk about it affecting people, right? Like I said, I fought for my country. A lot of people who look like me did. And this rule has to be in place for us to get help. I mean, but, but the thing with that though, say, like, if you know 
about like politics in other countries and other countries, civilizations in general, the only reason we're held in such high regard as we are is because of our military and our economy. Everything else is second rate, period. Mm -hmm. Everything else is trash. If it wasn't for our military and our economy, we would be people would look at us and they would speak about us as the scum of the fucking globe like we are. So let's let's just be completely honest and, and call a thing a thing. Here it is, a country that that you have decided to take over from from the people who actually, you know, lived here, you colonized and you built this thing to favor you. There, at no point in the in time are you really trying to share your wealth or your power. It's only because after a while, the numbers are no longer in your favor and people have started speaking up more. Therefore, you got to do something. Otherwise, shit's going to pop off or it's just, you know, really, it's going to be a lot more chaos. So what you do is you give enough to pacify, but then you have issues arise and then then you'll start showing your ass again and then you have to pacify one more again. But what you're not going to do is share your wealth, your land. You definitely don't want to share your women. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be this whole thing. So you really cannot be surprised that we have to have these rules because an only thing you could really do is change the concept or, or, or the idea of what a human being is in certain individuals. If certain individuals do not deem you as, as equally human, you will never be deemed equally right or equally on the same playing field as them. It's not going to happen because separation is natural and it's always going to be there. So you got to have this bullshit here, even though like it's 2022, it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, yeah. it makes all the sense. I think they're kind of, I think it's counterproductive though for, for what they're trying to do, because the best way. Because they want you, they want you to assimilate. The best way to get somebody to get in line with you is to have them assimilate to the things that you believe in and the things that you hold true to mm -hmm. you, right? You have people who want to do that, and you're trying to make them assimilate, but you want them to assimilate into a system that you have for them, like it's box. Okay, you could be American, but you gotta be an African American or Mexican American, or uh, you know what I'm saying? The like, kind of African American we want you to be. You just gotta be in this box. Like you can't just be a, a full American like the rest, like like us. Right, because th those Americans have a certain look to them, a certain skin color to them. You can't, you can't do that. So it's like it's counterintuitive. It's kind of, it's kind of productive because now you got people fighting just to be, a, just to be, just to assimilate. assimilate. <laughs> just, oh god, just to assimilate. Look, just to assimilate. You got people trying to, trying to fighting just to be a part of it, just to say I'm American. And and so and to and to keep people away. Like I feel like you're fighting. They're fighting harder to keep everybody, like you know, separate. Cause separate, separate, let's not get into that because we're about to take a yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, we can't get into that at that one hour mark. We'd be here all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, mm -hmm. I know I've gotten, in tech sales, I know I've gotten people that wanted to interview me because they were trying to find more minorities to hire. And there were, I was a qualified applicant so i know some of those phone calls were specifically because they wanted to get more people that look like me in a room because of just certain pressure that there is around tech sales right now so i don't necessarily know if it was any of the jobs i took because no those interview processes were pretty different um but i know a lot of phone calls that i got a lot of people that wanted to 
uh, wanted me to apply was specifically for that. Given my background, they found me. They're like, oh, we're looking for a black person. You check all the boxes. You got you got a couple minutes for us to talk. Um, whether I took the job or not, I don't. I don't think it, it's been the case in any of these jobs. Especially most of them have been through connections. But um, yeah, for sure, applications, interviews, requests. I was think originally going to on... say that I have, but I think it was because of the relationship that I had with the hiring manager. And it's more so, it was a reference, but I mean, we're all black, so I know someone because it's the black circle, I guess, and we're friends. So they uh, referred me over to a job and I get the interview, which I end up getting the job. I, so I, to be honest, I can't say that it's strictly been because I'm black. Do I feel like at some point I I may be maybe a token African American in the office? Yes, but initially I don't know. I I can't say without a shadow of a doubt that it was just because I was black. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I don't think you ever know for sure unless somebody just is bold enough to come out and tell you, and that would yeah. be crazy. But I think for me, it wasn't necessarily me being hired by a predominantly white company as a black person but it's the demographic we were serving. They want to have a strong black person, male or female, in that position because our demographic was serving people of color, you know, young people of color or, and so, or they wanted us, they wanted me to relate to our people in a way where it's like, okay, we need, we, ha we have a lot of, com this, this position has a lot of community engagement. And we don't, we, we've sent the white man out there or the white woman out there or even, or even the, Latin, the Latino out there and they just haven't been able to connect the way we know they would connect if we sent a black face out there. So that's been a thing, especially working in social services, nonprofits. Damn, black like face? Commu you know, community engagement. Well, yeah, they want a black face out there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. Not black. We want black face out there. All right, sorry, yeah, Sambo. Okay, um, Sambo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, but I think, you know, that's that's been a thing. And, you know, um, and... And I can't say I'm mad at it because a lot of times you you do and you know you you dealing with you dealing with the trauma of, of racism, and you're trying to get these people to come to your school or, or take or, or take take advantage of the opportunities that you're you know that you're the benefits or opportunity that you're that you're supplying, and they just, you know sometimes you have trust issues when you go into the the real inner city where people are making two thousand dollars a month, and and trying to make it, and then you got this, this this person come to you who don't look like you, didn't grow up in the same area or even in the same cultural context as you trying to relate to you and it just doesn't work yeah yeah so, but I, I but i will I say <clears throat> let me look at the camera if there are any tech companies out there that need a black male to serve as their director of sales and are willing to pay about 200 to three hundred thousand per year i'm willing to be that token black guy in the room give me a call i'm on linkedin i will come with my like i'll come with my own assistant <laughs> um he might work virtually from Oklahoma for and the I, first few months, but we'll work it out. So, call me. Otherwise, I ain't leaving. And I, and I, I ain't leaving otherwise. And I like that. I like, <laughs> and I like that, Dre. So I want to do the same thing. I want to look at the camera and let you know. <laughs> I too. <laughs> that if you're looking for a director, a VP of operations, a COO, and you need a, a qualified, experienced black man in that position, I will. Two hundred to three hundred. I will. I will gladly. <laughs> I will. I, I got you. I got you. We ain't got to talk about it. I won't even post that I got the position. We'll just roll out. We'll just keep it moving. Right. I'll shut down my LinkedIn. It's cool. 
put y'all with a million dollars and you own this mug. Nah, I'm good you own it? Man. Nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go. I just started over here, man. You know, I like, I like. That's what's up, y'all. Uh, I appreciate y'all's take on on everything that we talked about today. Um, but we gotta bring it to a close because um, we got responsibilities and shit. And uh, the episode is definitely over an hour. Well, it won't be after editing. But go ahead. Uh, any final thoughts, people? All right, great episode, gentlemen. Just want to give a big shout out to Nautel. <laughs> <laughs> Great episode, gentlemen. Just want to give a big shout out to Nantale Jewelry. Um, she's got some nice quality things. In fact, what's so what's so sweet about her? A lot of times, I forget about either gifts for my mom, whatever. She'll send me pictures, I'm like which three you like. I'd be like, all right, do that one, and she'll send it to my mom. I just send her money. So great customer service, great quality, and yeah, a great yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you how great it is. It's so great that I didn't get my <laughs> jewelry from it, it was- it was, yeah, ain't got to do it was so good. They said it was so good. <laughs> BJ kept yours too. <laughs> right. It was so good. That's so how good. good it is. Somebody will steal it. Order from her. Don't get a middle person. Yes, she has great quality products. Yeah. Her items are nice. Uh, Thank you. I dig it. Right. <clears throat> um. My final words. She's great quality. My but... final words. Uh, moving right along here, people. Um, no, nah, I would. I would just say, affirmative action. Oh, we don't get no is something. This boy gonna holler. This boy gonna holler. Yeah, she is quality. What? Right. <laughs> yeah. she is great quality. Um, all right. <laughs> So, bringing us back on track, I would like to give a shout-out to Jack Daniels, especially that Coy Hill Edition bourbon. They're not sponsoring us, but I drink it because I like it, and this shit is hot as hell. 139 proof or some shit. And, and Grippo's chips, best shit in the world. I've been eating them all episodes. Sorry, JT, but edit that shit out. Um, but about the uh, episode, I think the NFL got to do more. They got to do better. They got to find – some kind of mandate that they could actually establish. I think the easiest thing is to make sure a certain percentage of lower level coaches are of minority because those are the people that are going to move up, build relationships, and eventually earn the right to actually get head coaching jobs that can't be denied. Um, And affirmative action in general, a noble idea, but it, Never has been enough, and we're just finally starting to actually really reap some awards. So I'll take it for what it is, but it should have been more. It could be more. It needs to be more, and future legislation needs to do a better yeah. job. Yeah, we definitely got to do better. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the people who say it's going to take time. Why? Why? Drop up the bill right now and give people rights. Drop up the bill right now to give people protection. What do we? Why do we got to ease people into civil equal rights? So. That was the whole thing back when we was doing our, our, our voter registration tour. People were just being like, oh, it's going to take time. Our country has to. No, our country just needs to, to do better right now. Right now. Move it along. That's my final word. Get your ass in gear and give us some shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about you, Justin Texan? Oh, he said, since I'm hosting now, let me let JT go. <laughs>
Nigga. Uh, via satellite. Um. So no, man. Honestly, um. Look, I feel like these are rotating conversations that, unfortunately, will always be because you're, you know, bullshit breeds bullshit, mm. and you. It's kind of hard, you know, what I'm saying to ethic, uh, ethnically, no, ethically, no. What is one looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, book club. Book club? Ethically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethically. Club. Ethically. 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 Yeah. Ethically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's... Ethics. Ethically. What yeah. do you think, BJ? It's ethically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ethics. Ethically. Ethically, right? So, yeah. yeah. Ethically. Ethically. I, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. Ethically is hard to... Take four. <laughs> ethically. I said it wrong again. Yeah. Look, I just... Yeah, I'm. You know what? Anybody do that? Listen to the podcast. There's no episode. I'm sorry, people. Um, but no, man. This conversation is the conversation we've had before, and you know, bullshit breeds bullshit, and it's kind of hard to stomp out a group of people and not, you know, what I'm saying look bad. But it is what it is, and so as long as those bullshit people keep breeding bullshit kids, mm. you know. It's just going to be the type of shit over and over and over and over. Um, I think, I hate to say it, but like fighting for your freedom, no matter who you are, I think that's just something that's part of the world. You know, wars and rumors of wars, it's it's not it's not going to end. So, you know, I, I, I would love for the day where everyone feels like everyone is equal. But hell, even with other people's classes or races, there's hierarchies in some people's mind. And so yet alone, when you separate those, you know, uh, individuals, you're going to get more separation, um, more issues. But, you know, can, can you try to say that right now, as long as we keep as long as we keep waiting, hold on, as long as we keep waiting for somebody to give us equality or give us civil rights, we're going to be waiting until heaven and earth passes away. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a trip where you got to you got to beg or fight or kill to just be seen as an equal human being. Mm. What type of shit is that? That's some bullshit. That's the type of shit it is. These are United States, man. Mm. These are That's your history. United States. That's history. So, we're going to wrap it up. Did I get everybody? Is everybody going? Everybody giving their final yeah. thoughts? All right. We're going to wrap it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and watching the 1528 podcast. We want you to make sure you... Um, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And leave a comment, people. Leave a comment. We need that traction. Uh, so we're trying to grow uh, into a bigger and better podcast for you. So without uh, further ado, this has been JT. This is Dries. This is Dre. That's how we do it. Just fumble on that mug. <laughs> we out. Right, and JT again. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. And say it. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we gonna get the? Are we Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky? Bobby, how are we doing this? Are we, are we, do we got to order? Or are we just gonna keep? <laughs> no, fucking it up is part of our brand at this point. <laughs> That's real. That's real. <laughs> we gotta keep that. <laughs>